I'm Tass Mellis of The Starters, and you're listening to the Double Clutch Podcast. Hello and welcome back to the Double Clutch Podcast, brought to you by Leaning. My name's Mike Miller, and as usual, I'm joined by Mr. Joe Holbert. Hi Mike, how are things going? Yeah, pretty good actually. Uh, apologies to all the listeners uh, if we both sound a little bit sniffly. Um, it's not anything to do with the NBA season making us sad. It is literally, it's up by the sounds of it, we both got colds coming on. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm good, thank you. You okay, Joe? Yeah, yeah, it's um, just enjoying the season. It's been a heck of a week, hasn't it? Like, you guys potted last Monday, I missed that one. Um, and since then, I think... We've had the All-Star pools announced, then the drafts announced, and then we've had three major injuries and all kinds of stuff going on. It just seems like all of a sudden everyone's decided to, to do something newsworthy. Yeah, we've had Jason Kidd gone as well, right oh, in the yeah. middle of the podcast. <laughs> yeah, no, I did I didn't notice that. It's like within the opening five seconds of the introduction, Matt did. You were like, yeah, um, Kidd's been fired. That was a... I mean, it had been coming a while... But I didn't quite expect it at this point. It almost feels a little like after the horse has bolted, like why don't they just let him ride out the season? I mean, well, well, and obviously you gave some thoughts last week, but if you, if you were Milwaukee, what, what was the benefit of, of firing him at this juncture? Um, Maybe build a bit more momentum for the playoffs. I mean, they weren't going to do anything with him in the playoffs. He got outcoached by Tom Thibodeau a couple of years ago in them. I don't know if you oh, remember yeah. the yeah. deciding game. They lost by like 50, I think. That Was that the uh, one where Dunleavy shoved Antetokounmpo as well in the corner? Yeah. 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 I remember yeah. that series. <laughs> they, they caved in, basically, the Bucks. Um, they've given it to Joe Pronti till the end of the season, so maybe they're thinking, oh, we'll give him a go. Um, they've looked better, they, albeit they've not had the toughest games. they played the Nets, crushed them. Um, but... I think it, it was a point where I don't know if Kidd could have gone much further. He was just so bad at pretty much everything. Because, you know, even people said he developed the play as well, but we don't know if that was him or whether it was just natural progression. Yeah, there's a, there's a lot of talk about how much uh, influence you could have on someone as, as uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Just someone as, as completely astounding as Yanis in the first place. His evolution would always have been impressive. Um what do you think of the Prunty appointment? Uh, XGB head coach, I thought for for GB did a particularly good job and probably helped us overachieve a little. I I don't know much about his systems or anything like that. He's coached under some great coaches, though. I think he's had. Um, I think he was with Avery Johnson for a bit in Dallas. He would have been with Popovich as well. Um, it's it's one of these. He's been around the NBA for a while, so he's probably got a lot of knowledge. It's just whether to see he can convert that knowledge into wins. Uh, very different to the kid hiring. Kid really got hired because of who he was as a player. Pronti is kind of guy no one knows much about. I mean, I didn't even know what he looked like until I took the Bucks <laughs> game on the other day. Um, probably more deserving of a head coach. So it, you know, maybe sort of that slightly different approach will um, will make things better for the Bucks. Yeah, it'll be. Uh, well, he hasn't got a lot of time to prove himself, but maybe he can do a good enough job to to secure the permanent head coach position. I, I, I'm sort of. I don't think he's a big enough name, and there are some big coaching names out there still that 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 could fill that void. And you've got to think that just that situation now that is a that's a job that people are going to want. 
Um, but anyway, we're not we're not here to talk about Kid because you covered that all last week. Uh, so let's start off with some of the injury news. Um, to Marcus Cousins. So the Pelicans were up four hundred and thirteen to one hundred nine on the Houston Rockets in the fourth quarter, and Cousins went down. Um, <clears throat> so it's uh, was it ruptured Achilles and he's out for a year. Massive loss, absolutely massive loss. Um, how how are the Pelicans going to survive? I've got loads of takes on this, so I'll go with the first one as well. Uh, if Alvin Gentry makes the playoffs from here, he's coach of the year, uh, just because this roster's not bad. I think Drew Holiday is good, but what I would say is a lot of their sort of bench players who look good, people like um, Darius Miller or John Rondo, Ian Clark, we're going to see how good they really are now because it's easy to just stand in the corner and shoot threes, whereas now they're going to be expected to... Um, sort of, you know, create their own shot a little bit more because Cousins has gone down. They're going to go small, I think. A lot of people thought he'd bring Omar Ashik into the starting lineup. He didn't. Um, so I still think they'll make the playoffs just because I don't see who's going to push them out of it. I think, let's be honest, they've still got a top 10, maybe top 5 player in Anthony Davis. And they've got some pieces around him who can elevate him. I want to get your take on something. So an ESPN writer wrote an article about this and he said that the injury to Cousins was because of fatigue. So Alvin Gentry really plays, he's like Fibido, he plays his starter heavy minutes. Do you, do you think that had a, an effect, these big minutes that Cousins have been playing? Because I, I watched the injury and I just, it was kind of unlucky. It was a bad fall. I don't understand how you can really blame the minutes for that. I actually can't believe you, you've asked that question because that's, the 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 piece I read was Bleacher Report's Tom Haberstrow, um, which I would suggest people go and look at about how fatigue likely caused the Achilles injury. Um, it, it's an interesting one because you you know these things happen at any could happen at any point, but apparently um, according to oh, it's it's in street clothes or something. There's a website that sixty five percent of these injuries happen in the second half of games. Blah 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 blah. So he met all the criteria for for being sort of just a usual, um, the usual time for rupturing an, an Achilles. But <clears throat> Tom Tom Haberstrow, and I would suggest people go and check this article out because it actually is really in- really interesting. Um, it comes at a time when he he's been averaging career high in minutes for the month of January. Uh, it was a f- four days after the double overtime game against the Bulls, which he logged forty seven minutes in, put up forty four twenty three and ten. So m- maybe that did play part of it. We are sort of into the, the, the sort of the heavy logging part of the, the season now where the, the all-star break is a welcome period of rest for people to re- re-energize for the last leg. So may- maybe that was part of it. Um, but it's still, I don't know, I, I want to see something more definitive. I, I really liked the argument. Um, but I kind of feel that he would have been more, yes, he put up minutes and he is logging you know, reps and everything like that. I, I do kind of feel though that his his workload, if you will, is not as much as it probably would have been in Sacramento. Yeah, he's on the court more, but he doesn't have to do as much because he's not the franchise player, if you if you get what I mean. So his his actual lifting uh, isn't as much, if that makes sense. Yeah, I feel a bit sorry for Alvin Gentry here because you know there's been a lot of these sort of revisionist takes now where people are saying, "Well, should he have rested him more?" But if he'd rested him more. He would have probably been fired. He's been on his seat's been on fire for like eighteen months now. Yeah. Um, so he's got you know that that is the problem with having coaches who are under pressure 
and why actually maybe Milwaukee were right to just get rid of Kidd because when coaches feel under pressure, they don't think about the team. They think about themselves and they're thinking, right, how the hell can I save my job? And when you've got DeMarcus Cousins and Anthony Davis and you need to save your job, you're going to play them for 38, 40 minutes a game. Mm -hmm. So it's a tough one on Alvin Gentry. I think he really redeemed himself this year. He designed a great offense. Defensively, they're still not as good as, in my opinion, they should be. But we'll see now um, if Anthony Davis, he doesn't need to prove anything to me, but to a lot of people he does. I mean, I'm interested to see if he puts this team on his back. And this is where I see, I, I think he's an absolutely phenomenal player. But the one question I've always, I say I've always had, um, I, certainly for many seasons now, it feels like, is is he physically capable of carrying a team? Because every time, I mean, they've only made the playoffs once before with him uh, as an eighth seed. And every other time, he, he's not been able to stay on the floor. So I'm wondering now that he his usage rate is going to go back up again, whether he's going to uh, struggle physically with that. Because uh, he, in the past he has done, he, he's still, despite being a big guy and despite putting on what must be close to 20 pounds of muscle since he was a rookie, he's still quite slight a frame, if that makes sense. Um, <clears throat> so I wonder I wonder how much of, of an effect that's going to have. Also, just his, his assignments and his ability to score is going to be twice as hard now because he hasn't got cousins there to sort of share the load with him so i i do worry that i know you said you think they're, they're going to get the playoffs but they're currently joint sixth with 27 and 22 record in the west so that's one game ahead of the nuggets and two ahead of the clips um so uh i, I don't know if he can if he can steady the ship and keep them going i'm, I'm doubtful that they'll they'll stay in the playoff race I just, I'm not sure they're going to be a great team. I think a maximum of 500 from here on out is realistic, but I just yeah. don't see who's going to come and swoop in. That's kind of my thinking. And with regards to Davis, I've, it wouldn't surprise me if for the rest of the season he led the league in minutes per game, points per game, and rebounds per game, if he's healthy, yeah. of course. But the issue I have is that when when a power forward is your best player and you know if teams are going to be fronting him in the post, I'd... I don't know how they're going to keep getting the ball to him. And then the question is, are the Pelicans guards good enough to kind of take advantage of that? Drew Holiday, for me, is a player who he's kind of consistently a six or seven out of ten. I just don't know if he's got that in him to take it to that next level. I just don't think that's who he is. And, you know, they're they're going to be aggressive, the Pelicans. They've already said they're going to be going for it at the trade deadline. And I think getting a wing is absolutely key to this team. I'd Maybe I don't know much about the, how the cap would work there, but if they could go and get someone like Wilson Chandler, I think that would really help them out a lot. Yeah, I agree. They definitely need they need some outside threats because watching the third quarter last night against the Clippers was just horrific. It was just, <laughs> I just sat there like, wow, we're really watching this. Um, but it's it's a massive loss f- for them and. I wonder what impact it's going to have on the future of uh, of Cousins' career because obviously he's a he's a free agent this summer and he was looking towards maybe a max deal. If you if you've got a big guy of his size and frame coming back from a what is one of the worst injuries you could get, do you think do you think a lot of teams are going to shy away from giving him anywhere near the max? I think he might get a short term max. I st- I think he's a max player. There's absolutely no doubt about it for me. He's a 
he's that good. Um, I've very much as well documented on the past podcast. I've always believed he's going to remain in New Orleans, but I'm wondering now if he blames them for it. Depends who he blames for his injury. If he just kind of thinks, oh, it was just bad luck, bad fall. But if he actually does blame the heavy minutes, I think that could be the bridges burned. And you know what I said a minute ago, I had loads of takes on this. I am wondering if this is the end of New Orleans basketball because they have been trying to relocate for a while. I visited there a few years ago. There's not a lot of love for this team down there. They just don't really care about them. And I went there when they just made the playoffs and you know all the locals were like, yeah, no one, no one watches the Pelicans. So I'm wondering now, if, especially if Cousins goes, that could be the end of basketball in New Orleans and we could see a return to you know Vancouver or something like that, Seattle. Seattle, please. Seattle, please. Um, it's interesting you, you, you say who he's going to blame. There was a, a good quote in the... The, the Herbstro article I mentioned uh, following the Bulls win where uh, Cousins uh, said, my strength coach had the nerve to ask me, do I want to lift after this game? I almost lost it, he told the Associated Press. Um, if I had some energy, we would have fought. <laughs> so <laughs> maybe, maybe they are pushing him, or were pushing him a little bit too hard. Um, but yeah, I, 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 I feel tremendously sorry for the guy because it's, you know it had been his first taste of the playoffs. Um he was going to be starting in the all-star game, which whatever that's worth is still a, a, a huge achievement to be, you know, if, if you mentioned people don't really care about this franchise and yet they, they still managed to get two guys voted into the, the starting five of the all-star game, which is just fantastic. Um, yeah, massive, massive loss. Um, so let's move on to another injury, which was, I want to say Saturday night, Andre Roberson. A ruptured patella tendon. There's a lot of these things are rupturing, it feels like, this week. And we've had Conley go out for the season as well with something to do with his ankle. Um, Roberson, one of the best defensive players in the league. Uh, Matt Wellington, who's one of the usual hosts, uh, but isn't here tonight, put an article uh, together yesterday. That's gone up on the website. Check that out at doubleclutch.uk um, about the repercussions of, of this of this injury and what it means to OKC. Uh where where do OKC go from here? They're going to have to make some kind of move because I've watched Terence Ferguson quite a bit. Um, he's very raw. I don't think he can contribute in the future. And I think they're going to change their identity as well. So this year they've been a defensive team, especially down the stretch. He was huge down the stretch for them. For me, um, a stat I saw that when he's on the court with, that, with the starting four, so that would be Westbrook, Mello, Adams and George, when he's on with those, they have the best defensive rating in the league. If you take him out and put in, I don't know, Terrence Ferguson or Jeremy Grant, they go to the worst defense in the league. So they're going to have to change their identity. They've very much been a grind-out team. We're going to get offensive rebounds. we got three ISO scorers. Well, now they're going to have to adopt a little bit more small ball for me. Billy Donovan said yesterday that down the stretch, they're going to have to look at um, bringing Jeremy Grant in at the four down the stretch and move, sliding Mello over to the two. So this is going to be a very different team. I still think they'll make the playoffs because, again, there's no one pushing them. But it's just they're going to have to go from one extreme to another, and that's going to really test Billy Donovan. It's hard to do that anyway, but in the middle of a season, that's even more difficult. Yeah, I'm intrigued to see what level of impact it has because it's going to. it's obviously going to massively impact the defensive end. But this is a guy who, and it, it frustrates me every time I see it, he refuses to take jump shots. Like, 
I'm trying to think who they were playing. Last time I saw them, I must admit, it was about a week ago. And uh, watched the full game, I mean. And I was just absolutely livid at him catching the ball on the elbow, completely open, and then not taking the shot and just looking around. And I was just like, you're just wasting this offense. And so I wonder who they can get who... Obviously, they're not going to get someone of the same defensive caliber, but someone who is, you know, no pushover on defense, but at least has the ability to knock down a, an open shot. And and if they can do that, it, I, I'm basically, I'm, I'm pondering whether or not the amount he brings on offense is, is or sorry, the amount he brings on defense is cancelled out by the absolute lack of offense he puts up and, and whether they can, can sort of bandage over his, the gap that he's going to leave on defense. Um is there is there anyone in particular you think that they should go after? See a lot of saying Avery Bradley. I don't think that's realistic. And we'll talk about him a bit more depth later. I liked uh, one of the trades Matt suggested where they get Garrett Temple. I think a lot of people won't know much about him. He was kind of buried on the um, on the Wizards team back in the day, but I think. He's a good shooter. He's kind of wasted on a team that you know, Dave Yeager seems to pick his lineups out of a random name generator. So <laughs> he's kind of um, stagnated there. I think that's a decent pickup. Um, they had a look at CJ Miles in the summer. Now they're not going to get him, but I think that's the kind of player they're going to go after. Someone who can, a three who can defend fours and hit three pointers. The problem is those guys don't grow on trees and the teams who have them they're not going to get rid of them. You know, it's, I see on NBA Twitter, a lot of people go, oh, they need to add some shooting. Well, that's great. But why would, why are other teams going to give up their shooting? And Temple's only an obvious name for two reasons. One, because he's obstructing the development of Buddy Heald and um, De'Aaron Fox. And two, because the Kings front office is mental. So <laughs> that that's really the only target I could think of off the top of my head. Yeah, so the, the trade you're referring to, uh, people should go and check it out. It's uh, again, it's it's on Matt's article, but it's a, a three way trade between Sacramento, OKC, and the Cavs, and uh, it puts some interesting people in some interesting places. And uh, according to uh, our Lord and Savior, the ESPN trade machine, it is a successful trade. So um, yeah, they they they, de- they definitely have to to do something. Um, how far did you see them getting with Roberson and how 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 much is their drop off without him? Well, here's the thing. If you look at the numbers, I'm on the on off numbers right now, the offense doesn't get much better when he's off the court. I think I think when you have Paul George, Stephen Adams and Russell Westbrook, who are their three of best offensive players, and yes, I am including Carmelo Anthony in that. He doesn't need to do a lot. I know he's going to be open at times, but if you could just get him cutting, I think he can have some value. But the thing is, if you go back and watch a lot of the great playoff games in recent times, they've all come down to the last couple of minutes. And personally, I would rather have Andre Roberson, a defensive, well, probably the best defender in the league, than, you know, a sharp shooting two you know, J.R. Smith who doesn't defend. That's That's my opinion. It differs from everyone. I think... They're still going to be a good team, but they're just going to be very different. But I, I wouldn't be surprised now if they start losing a couple of close games. Hmm. That's that's a fair point. Uh, I think you were watching the Philly game last night, weren't you? Yep. Yep. That was a. I I caught up with it today. Um, Bit of a dunk off. 
Yeah, Joel Embiid murdered Russell Westbrook. Yeah, that was that was like, what, <laughs> that what was he huge. did. What he did is a war crime. <laughs> like, he'll be going to the Hague for that. I mean, it was a it was a really fun game, and I know Philly lost it, but they the, the hardest thing to do for Brett Brown for me. I know this is kind of off topics. So we're talking about the Thunder, but the hardest thing to do is change a mentality. But they've done that. They've had their top in net rating in the new year. Um, they're really taking the next step. But the Thunder really struggled yesterday with um, stopping penetration to the basket. And I think that's where Roberson's departure is going to be the biggest problem. Yeah, I totally agree. And and Paul George is a, a an absolutely class defensive wing. But to, to lose the other guy who is just one of the top two or three defenders in the league is just... It's, it's brutal on, on, for your defence. Uh, but like I say, I'd, I'd like to see... Uh, I just... Always Roberson, I just get so frustrated that he won't even take a jump shot. Just absolutely just winds me up. Um, but let's move on to a guy who's not afraid of taking a jump shot. And I know you wanted to talk about this guy. Uh, Isaiah Thomas has been stirring the pot a bit in, in Cleveland... <laughs> I'll, I'll let you run with this one where do you want to go on this one so I'll just round up a few of the things he said So they were, uh, someone was asking him about the Cavs defence and he said that um, oh it's not my fault we've been crap since before I started which to be honest is a fair point they're yep. not a good defensive team um, he also apparently and this is very apparent but he said something like Kevin Love was supposedly ill and he um he was angry at him for it, which is just very strange. But he seems to have kind of dove off a cliff. And then they were asking about his role on offense because we've always said if you get LeBron, you get his offense, you're standing in the corner and you're going to come off a screen now and again. But Isaiah Thomas said, well, if I'm not getting the ball in my hands and I'm not here to make plays, why the hell am I here? So he seems unhappy. Maybe in the age of social media, we read into this too much. And... One more thing as well before I um, go back to you. Cavs players are apparently not very happy with his shot selection. And he was asked about it by Jason Lloyd of The Athletic. And he gave a very odd response because we've always had this image of Tobbs being this really lovely guy, you know, family man. But his, yeah. he seems to have cracked a bit. And I don't really blame him because it's probably quite horrible just be I mean I'd hate to be LeBron's sidekick because you get all the you get blamed for everything as Kevin Love has found out over the past five years well it was Chris Bosch as well I mean Chris Bosch used to get a lot of stick in Miami I think since Bosch's heart problems that's all kind of gone away but we can't forget that on those Miami teams when they lost in 2011 it was all about oh Chris Bosch was rubbish but actually if you go back and look at those stats Bosch was very good I know that's off topic but the question I want to ask you about Thomas is he was absolutely a max contract candidate. He's surely he's not anymore. I I've I got a lot of heat for an article I wrote last year about well almost coming up for a year ago about how Boston should have shipped IT at the time. Um and I absolutely would not want to give him a max contract. He he was playing at a max contract level. Totally get that. But at his age, at his size, at his reliance on uh, a semblance of athleticism in order to, to perform at his level, there was no way that I wanted to lock up, as if I was a GM, would want to lock up max money to this guy up until he's like 35, 36. 
absolutely no way at all. I just, I just, you, you just hamstring your franchise, which is why I think Danny Ainge did the absolutely correct thing in shipping him out as quickly as possible. His contract now is an absolute steal, even if he's only playing, um, you know, not in, he's, he's playing back to backs now, but he, he hasn't been, um, and he's been. Question his shot selection, his points are obviously down, things like that. He's still absolute steal at six million a year. Do, would I want to pay him max? Absolutely not. No, no way. I, I can't see him leading a team for the next, you know, medium term, sort of three to four years. I can't see him leading a team to any semblance of success on his own, if that makes sense. I'd happily yeah. take him as a second or third player, but not as a as a as my centerpiece. Yeah, he's an interesting player because one, I'll be honest, I loved the um, Isaiah pickup by the Cavs. But one thing that I remember we all discussed on the podcast post that trade was I said, Brad Stevens optimized the hell out of him. It was his offense, a lot of pick and rolls. When you're playing with LeBron James, you're not going to get many pick and rolls. It's going to be more ISO. You're going to be spotting up a lot more. Mm-hmm. And I think the question a lot of NBA writers had was, could he adapt? Well, he clearly hasn't. And I do wonder, you know, if LeBron does leave this summer, maybe that puts Isaiah in a better position. But how far can you go with Isaiah Thomas running your offense? I know people say Boston won a lot of games last year, but Boston had the kind of players who can mask his deficiencies. They had two elite wing defenders in Jay Crowder and Avery Bradley. They had a stretch five in Al Horford who created all his angles for him. Not many teams can create that situation in the way that Boston did. And also, you've got to remember, when Boston created that situation, Thomas was on, as you just called it, a steal of a contract. If you're giving him 20, 25 million a year, you're probably not going to be able to sign all those pieces to make him better. Yeah, that, that is my concern. Um, he's not, And he's not yet playing anywhere near the level he was at last year when he, I have I have absolutely no qualms. Last season he was a max caliber like contract player. For, it would, he should have been his 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 should have they should have renegotiated that season's contract and just given him a max for that season because he was he was that good. Um, but you know that's why Danny Ainge didn't want him. He couldn't see him sustaining it for the long term. And let's let's be frank about it. Kyrie is an upgrade, so. You know, um, I I agree that he's not the problem with the Cavs' defense. That that is, <laughs> he he was in a suit on the on the sideline when there were problems with the defense. They knew what they were getting. Um, you compared his, you can compare his his defensive rating last year. He was overall a net negative for a lot of the season. Um, because as fantastic as his offense was, he was just bullied on defense, and a lot of teams would would pick him out. Um. It's 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 just I think it's just his whole world has essentially not crumbled in but in 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 the last ten months or so, but certainly it's it's nothing like it was. He 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 was the the star of the show in Boston. He was healthy. Uh, he obviously had the family tragedy as well as the injury come about, and now he's gone into a completely different situation where he's playing second fiddle or maybe even third fiddle uh, to LeBron. It's not his team. He's in a place he didn't want to be in. He feels, um, you know, he's upset with Boston for for getting rid of him and all this. I, so I feel for him. I think he's just completely frustrated with the business of basketball because once again, he has been booted out, just like he was from Sacramento and Phoenix. Yeah, it's a frustrating thing, and I think, I think the interesting thing was 
um, when he was in Boston was that something everyone overlooked was he made them arguably the best offense in the league. And I think he's still riding that. But as I've said, when you play with LeBron, you don't get the chance to run an offense. Mm -hmm. And I just, I think if you're going to have Isaiah Thomas just standing there, um, that's counterproductive because he's not going to defend at the other end. So I mean, he'll try his best, but he's, is he five nine, five ten? Yeah, yeah. So he's, so he's my height, and he's you know chasing guys a foot taller than him. So it's it's a difficult one. But I mean, the question I wanted to ask you is, who is going to put money on him this summer? There's got to be someone because there are thirty teams. Some of them haven't made the playoffs for a decade. Surely someone goes here. You go. Let's have a I don't know a two two year forty five million dollar contract. Surely someone does it. That is, that is a good question. I, I have been, I have, I have been thinking about who, and I've been struggling about who would want to pick him up this season uh, or next season rather. I, I've, I've looked at what what Cav, the Cavs can do to improve, and a lot of the times I come to the conclusion they should throw him in with any trade deal to make salaries work because I just think that they have enough offensive weapons as it is that he's surplus to requirements even though he's one of the better offensive players um let's have a think there, there will be someone out there who wants to pay him and I'm there's just only to... there's only one team in my head maybe okay. two i'm only going to give the first one but if anyone's going to get this guy back on track it's going to be eric spolstra okay so if you speak to miami heat writers a lot of them believe goran dragic is out this summer and take it as someone who watches him every night he's a very limited point guard um Part of me does wonder, the Heat's defense is incredible. They've got guys who can switch basically onto every position. And let's be honest, Dragic is hardly a great defender. So part of me is wondering whether Eric Spolster or Pat Riley throws a kind of one-year prove-it deal at him. I mean, it'd be big money. It'd be a big prove-it deal. But that's the only one I can think of off the top of my head. Yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised if somewhere like the Knicks went for him as well. I just see the Knicks just generally... They they go for they always names. go for names yeah yeah um that that wouldn't surprise me I I don't think Porzingis would be particularly happy with that just because I think um again it's a you it's it's the same way that Melo was it's it's a, a black hole on offense that the ball doesn't really come out of um just trying to think who else there might be. That's the thing. You've got to look at a lot of these teams in the West and they'll be thinking, right, Isaiah Thomas is great, but if he's our point guard, we're going to get mauled to death by the Rockets or the um, Warriors. And I know it's not all about getting to the finals, but I think that's going to play on some teams' minds. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I'm, I'm I'm sat there looking through them all. The only the, One of them that springs to mind, but I'll, I'm actually I'm going to save that later on for uh, our trade conversation because I think it might be... But, I say I think it might be like I know I think something's going to happen. I, I I've put together a trade that I would like to see uh, him involved into this team, so I, I will save that. I'm going to put that in my pocket for the minute. <laughs> um, and on that note, we should probably talk about some possible trades. Then, anyone in particular you want to go with, start with? Well, it's not a player I'm fond of. But Avery Bradley is on the trade um, block yep. now. One thing I will say, I've always very much been on the Avery Bradley is a good, not great player bandwagon. Great defender, limited offensively, but Detroit, I don't like to, I don't want to go into too much there, but basically Detroit used this guy in dribble handoffs. Um, Detroit run more handoffs than any other team. And 
you just watch Avery Bradley and that doesn't make sense. He's not very quick. So they're completely misusing him. And I think for that reason, he is a great buy-low candidate for the Denver Nuggets. The Denver Nuggets are a great offensive team. Um, they've, But for whatever reason, they are allergic to playing defense. And I think a lot of that is because they just don't have the personnel to do it. But yeah. I would love to see Avery Bradley targeted by the Denver Nuggets. That was one I thought of this morning. No, I, could, I could see that. And I think that rather than the dribble handoffs with with Jokic, who seems to have, who was flavor of the month and has seems to disappear from everyone, he's such a, a good passer. He could probably find Bradley quite well off the ball. Um, okay. okay. The thing is, as well in Denver, they got Gary Harris to do all the downhill stuff, and I think I think Bradley is at his best playing off the ball and running towards the three point line or towards the basket. Not, you know, I I personally would not want to put the ball in his hands. No, okay. Um, any any other teams that you think Bradley might fit? Because obviously you mentioned he, you didn't think he was... It, the OKC move would have been appropriate earlier. I'm, I'm just looking through the, the various teams at the minute now to see where else I could see him go into. Could you see Cleveland making a run at him? I could, but I don't know what they'd give up. I don't know what Detroit would want. I mean, Detroit... I mean, the only players Detroit would want are Love or James, and obviously they're not going to be in the question... I mean, would they? I mean, if they gave up the Nets pick, just fire the front office and put the franchise in Hawaii. <laughs> um, oh, I mean, I'm I'm looking for all these teams, and a player like that will have a use on any team. He's a good defender who can sort of hit a three ball. And the only one that maybe springs to mind is the 76ers. I know they got JJ Redick down there, but mm. I think when you have Ben Simmons as your primary ball and the positions don't matter when you've got a team like that. So, you know, I'm, I'm part part of me is fantasizing over a Ben Simmons, J.J. Redick, Avery Bradley, Joel Embiid, and uh, either Sarich or Covington lineup. That would be a lot of fun. Yeah, that, that would be interesting. Um, I, I'm just looking at Avery Bradley. So he's he's on 8 mil a year. So you, you'd be looking at, if they're, lo- if they're looking at getting rid of him, it'd be someone like Channing Fry going back. And what benefit does he bring to Detroit? I, I don't see. No. I don't, I don't see that happening at all. And the th- the thing, the awkward thing with um, Bradley is he's a free agent this summer. I remember the past summer and you know, people were saying, "Oh, Detroit will sign him, and next summer they'll give him a four-year, eighty million dollar deal." I mean, twenty million dollars a year is a lot of money for a guy who we have who can't create his own offense. He's a very valuable player, but he's. I think it's going to be a contender that goes after him. Okay, I've got one for you. This trade is successful. Avery Bradley at eight eight. A year, eight point eight million a year, to the Cavs. In return, the Pistons get Zizic and Crowder. Would you go with that? I like. I love that from the Pistons' point of view. I think Zizic is a kind of guy who could develop into something there. But my my question for a Cavs point isn't that just kind of a straight swap? I'm I'm wondering because I just I just think. I kind of feel like Crowder's not being used to his full potential in Cleveland, and I'm just trying to think of a. But the difficulty is, although you're getting a guard who's who's a great defender, you're losing a guy who plays defense at a bigger size. So I don't know. I'm just I'm just trying to think. But anyway, I've I've got a different one for you. And this uh, this one I pulled together a few days ago because. Um, because for some reason I'm obsessed with it at the minute. So Kemba Walker, 
everyone's talking about, I say everyone's talking about, Michael Jordan has made him available and, and open for trade. If you were the Cavs, would you go all in? On, I'm obsessed with the Cavs getting stuff. That shows how bad I think they're doing at the minute um, and how desperate I am for them to repeat as Eastern Conference champions as I predicted they would at the start of the year. Um, if, if you were the Cavs, would you go in on Kemba? Um, I think he'd have the same problem as Isaiah Thomas. The only thing I would like about a Kemba trade is it would future-proof them if um, LeBron decides to leave in the summer. I think you could build a decent team around him and Kevin Love. I like That's- the I-, I like the idea, but I spoke last week about how basically Steve Clifford optimizes the hell out of Kemba Walker. That's one of the best designed offenses in the league, even if the numbers don't show it. And I'm just wondering, would he be any good stood in the corner? If you look at his play type, again, it's all pick and roll. That's what I think that's about 75% of his plays. But, I mean, you've got to do something if you're the Cavs. Yeah, I, I agree. And I, I just kind of feel that maybe he doesn't have quite the same uh, inefficiencies that, that IT has. And, and whereas IT is hugely ball dominant, Kemba to, isn't to the same degree. So the simple trader put together was um, Kemba... Uh, for Channing Fry and Isaiah Thomas, who are both expiring, so if they were to do it, they would have to include the Nets pick, and that's the big sticking point for me on that one because it's just is he worth is he worth that at this point, Kemba? And I'm I'm looking at the Nets at the minute, the, where their record is according to uh, our good friend, what are they called Tankathon.com. Uh, I love that site. I can't believe when Matt first mentioned it a year or so ago. Now it's a great site. Um, the, the the majority, well, the percentage of them getting the the eighth pick is seventy percent. They might shoot the moon and get a top three, but that's all less than than four point eight percent. So you look at, would you trade Kemba Walker for the eighth pick if you were, or would you trade the eighth pick for Kemba Walker? If LeBron was guaranteed staying, yeah, I would. If not, no. If there's any doubt, which there clearly is, no, I wouldn't do it. Okay. No, I, I, this is, and I think this is a, a good point. Is um, I think this is half the reason the Cavs are hamstrung is that, that LeBron's refused to commit, and so they they're in limbo. They can't. They can't. What do they do? What are they supposed to do? Do do you try and go all chips on the table? Let's go for one final run because if he does walk out the door anyway, the likelihood is we're going to be in flipping. You know, it's just going to be a. <laughs> a ghost town for the next 15 20 years or or do you just say well okay we we go with what we've got and if he walks at least we've still got that pick which may get us someone who could become a solid starter at some point i think think it's such a a difficult position for them to be in and, and for lebron to have anything to say about the franchise at the minute i kind of I know he hasn't said anything, but I kind of feel like he's put them in this situation, and it—I just find it incredibly annoying, almost that you know he he wants to win championships, but you can only win championships if you—it's not just something that happens. They need to be really careful planning and strategic decisions based on what the future holds. And if you're if you're not allowing people to have the full picture, how are they supposed to make any any sort of relevant decision? It's just yeah, I'm just going on on a rant now about how frustrated I am with LeBron's uh, political warfare as to where he ends up this summer. Yeah, there. I mean, it's a hor- it's ironic that a team that has LeBron James has such a horrible GM job. 
Yeah. So I, I think that's one of the least popular front office jobs right now. Thank, it's a thankless job, really. I, I heard a rumor today that um, Gilbert was thinking of selling the team. Do you think that would be a wise decision? Well, he's a terrible owner. Oh, yeah. And he is one of the... I mean, a lot of people talk about how bad Reinsdorf is, but for me, he's not even close to um, to Gilbert. I mean, it's a case, just it's amazing that a team that won a ring two years ago now, wasn't it? I can't believe I had to ask yeah. you that. <laughs> a team that won a ring two years ago, a team that's been to the finals three or four straight times, has to has all these questions on and off the court. Yeah, it is crazy. I've got I've got one more trade for you, and it was uh it was a kind of a more can I break the um the trade machine than actually a, a realistic but uh, sort of thing. But I've stuck with Kemba. Kemba's still in there, arriving at the Cavs. Also arriving at the Cavs is DeAndre Jordan. Um, the Clippers are getting Tristan Thompson and Marvin Williams, and the Hornets get Fry Thomas and Bryce Johnson and the pick. Is it, is it still, you know, for you, it's still going to be, if you're the Cavs, why would you do that without any assurance that it will go on beyond this season? And effectively, this summer, there's a chance you're only left with Kemba and, and Love out of what would be a big four of, of Kemba, DeAndre, LeBron and Love. Yeah, I really do like the idea of a Kemba-Love core, though. I think that could win you like 45, 50 games in the East if you've got the right pieces around them. Yeah. It's, I think it's the kind of move they'll make just so, you know, if Le, like if LeBron, let's say they make no moves and LeBron goes, you're stuck with Kevin Love. Isaiah Thomas ain't going to stay. We can pencil that in already. So you're stuck with Kevin Love. Um, I ha- I experienced a Kevin Love-led team. It, to be honest, he was actually quite good at it. But what I would say since then, he's a lot older than he was back then. And he doesn't have Ricky True. Rubio. He doesn't have Ricky Rubio giving him easy buckets. So... A Kevin Love-led team is not a disaster, but I do wonder how much he can do on his own now. No, that's, that's a fair point. It's and and even when he was with Minnesota, they they didn't sniff the playoffs whilst he was leading them. As as I think he went through a phase where didn't he set an NBA record for con- consecutive double doubles, or he, he had he was on some ridiculously long streak. Yeah, and I, I remember I, I was actually at the game where because it was against the Warriors, I was at the game in 2011 where that streak was snapped um, which is a bit of a, a weird flashback I've just had but it, even as good as that individual performance is it, it brings nothing to the, the franchise if you're not competing for a playoff spot no that's the thing we only completed the playoff spot one year under him so I mean it's not a it's not an absolute disaster if he's what they're left with but I don't trust this front office to kind of put pieces around him and on top of trade, I do have one for you, and it's not a very original trade. It's one that's been doing the rounds. So it's between the Bulls and the Jazz. It's just a straight swap. Derek Favors for Nikola Mirotic. Um, I'd I'd be tempted to do that. Yeah, because you look at sides. it. You look at it from um from Chicago's point of view. Laurie Marklin has been great, but I think pairing him with a post presence like Derek Favors could do a lot for their offense. And yep. the jazz, the jazz offense is, well, I won't use the word. I mean, it's just awful. <laughs> they re- they just can't create anything, and some of that is because you know they've got Ricky Rubio, who doesn't seem to really ever put himself on good offenses. But they just don't have a floor spacing. And Miritich is actually he's having a really good season. I don't think it's being talked about enough because one, the Bulls are bad, and two, 
Markkinen play in the same position as him. So I, I like that trade for both teams. Yeah, I, I agree. I think I think Miritich has been very streaky the past couple of years, um, which has frustrated me when I had him on my fantasy team. Well, that was a big mistake. Um, he he doesn't want to be in Chicago. Clearly, uh, I, I saw some great thing where when he first came back from his facial fracture, one of the one of the outlets uh, referred to him and Bobby Portis as a one-two punch, which had me in hysterics. Um, I just, I just, he doesn't want to be there. You need to shift him. I think Favors is, I think Favors is underrated by a lot of people, um, mainly because he's playing in the shadow of Gobert, and I think he would be a, a, an asset to that team. Who, it's great. As I say is great. I, you, you know from conversations we've had about the Lopez brothers, how much I like Robin Lopez. I would quite happily reduce Lopez's minutes if it meant making room for someone like Favors. Even if you didn't, didn't play him at the same positions, I think there you could favors is just you can play him in various spots on that floor. Well, I'd say various two two spots on that floor anyway. Uh, I'd do it definitely. Yeah, they can commit to sort of going really modern as well, having favors at the five full yep. time and having Markman at the four. I think um, the interesting thing is with favors though he is out of contract this summer. I mean, I don't think he can command huge money which is probably good for the Bulls. That's even more of a reason to trade for him. Yeah, no, I, I think so. And if Miritich, like I say, doesn't want to be there, if, you, if you've got a guy who, who, I mean, he's been remaining professional, putting up numbers from what we can see, but if he doesn't want to be there, get get him out because... His contract's a steal as well. Exactly. Two-year, 12.5 million. It's, I mean, that is just, it's a cap hit of, what, 6 million? Yeah. I'm reading this right. For a stretch four who plays okay defense, I mean, what more do you want? Exactly. Um, and one more question on trades for you. It's okay. a player that I know, I think frustrates you. I might be thinking of the wrong person. Dennis Schroeder? Is, um, it, is it you who gets frustrated by him or is it someone else? It, it might be someone else who's vocal oh, right. about it, but I do get, I, I do find him a, um, what's the word I'm looking for? He's a puzzling player for me. He, I just don't. Just, yeah. Okay. So, so, so where Bill are you going to Sim- send him to? So Bill Simmons reported that he's not part of the Hawks' long-term plans because Mike Budenholzer are frustrated with inefficient, inconsistent performances. Is there any team off the top of your head that you think will maybe try and make a move? I mean, Simmons does say that a, mo- a move in the summer is more likely, but are there any point guard needy teams who are going to take a chance on a guy with clear talent? Um, I'm trying to think who who needs point guards around around the league, and it, there seems to be like an an abundance of like not not necessarily good but functional point guards. Yeah, there's a. Th- I was thinking that we are in sort of the golden age of point guards. I mean, there's there's not many point guards starting that are just terror. I mean, you've got Jarrett Jack, and that's probably it. Yeah, and and the only reason I'm I'm well, I'm leaning towards the next. The only reason I'm not saying that is is uh. Frank Matilakina as a as a rookie is uh, you know he's he's not a great offensive player but I wouldn't want to hamper his development necessarily. Yeah. Orlando have got Peyton who I'm not a big fan of, but that's the thing. It's it's tough to see because with all these good point guards, you're essentially if you're trading for Schroeder, you're essentially saying he's better than what we've got now. But in the, in this age of point guards, it's very hard to see a situation where that's the case. Yeah, what about someone like Phoenix? Could you see him there? But then again, he, he again he's 
you mentioned his inefficiencies. He he shoots a lot and he shoots mid range, but not not consistently. If I'm he's out. So. He's out. He lacks control as well for me as well. Yeah, you know, if you watch him, he's very violent when he drives to the basket. And that that's just going to take the ball out of Booker's hands. And when you've got a, a scorer as lethal as Booker, why would you ever want to do that? So. So I mean the question because I was thinking you say this are Atlanta kind of stuck with him now? I th- I think they are for the next couple of seasons. Yeah. I just I just don't know where else he he could go or who who would actually give him <laughs> decent minutes. Yeah, yeah. Um, we got some listener questions, haven't we, about trades as well? Yeah, quite a few today, which I'm looking forward to. Okay, um, Gavitio. Uh, after reports of a bust up with Noah, how do the Knicks get rid of him? Well, they're um, going to have to cut him because no one's taken that contract. No, you you got to buy him out. I, I'm surprised they haven't tried to buy him out already. To be honest, it's it was a uh, as soon as that contract was signed, that was <laughs> it was already one of the worst contracts in recent memory. Uh, at a time where there was thought to be no bad contracts, the Knicks shot the moon and gave away one of the worst contracts I can think of. Um, yeah, you, you've got you've got to buy him out, let him go, and. Do you, do you even think he could get a spot on another roster? It feels like we've not seen him on I a think court. He, he'd get a backup centre job somewhere. I don't know if he'd be any good, but someone would. We probably would have a look at him. Um, I, I personally think a contender would sign him, but we'll see very quickly if he's good enough to be on the court. He kind of ends up like Andrew Bogut has. Has he got a team Bogut at the moment? I The last I, I heard, don't. he was cut by the Lakers. Yeah, so he, he hasn't got a team, but like the Cavs signed him, didn't they? And he got injured straight away. But that's yeah. that's the kind of career Noah's looking at now. Maybe even a Birdman type career where he just kind of floats around contenders. But no, that, can, you, I mean, can you imagine if Noah, with his with his passing abilities, was with Golden State as the backup center? That could yeah. be interesting. That'll be fun, actually. Yeah, that's where he'll end up. He'll go to. He's not in it. I mean, he's. Let's be honest. He's just got his payday that he didn't probably didn't deserve. So he's probably just in it for rings now. Yeah, and it's crazy to think that it wasn't that long ago. Was it maybe four years that he was Defensive Player of the Year? He was an MVP candidate under Tom Thibodeau. I mean, he's a yeah. very. He was a very outside the box MVP candidate, but he was one definitely. Yeah, 2014 Defensive Player of the Year. That's and and now he's just, just washed up. It's crazy. It's crazy because he was almost like he was like that was peak Noah, and his, his just fall from grace was so quick. It's a real shame because he was he was a really interesting player. I remember watching him play for Florida, thinking like just the way he you know his 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 shooting technique and everything like that was just so bizarre. And I just remember looking at him like, how is this guy going to be good? And then he, he just absolutely blue collar, hard working kind of guy who, who got stuff done. Yeah. Um, Buy him out, Knicks. Please, just end everyone's nightmare. Uh, can the Cavs fix the roster? What trades would you make? I think we've probably covered that. That's from Steve Downton. Uh, so let's let's quickly go All-Star game before we wrap up. Uh, Nick Whitfield has asked, what's your favourite all-time All-Star game? You're not a big All-Star fan, so have you got one? No, I'll watch it this year because we got players in it, but I don't really watch it. Uh, fair, yeah, fair enough. Mine's probably 2003... Uh, there was double overtime. I quite liked that. I remember, like, just getting a bunch of mates around and watching that. It was, uh, I think, it was Jordan's last game. Yeah, it was that was last All Star game. Um, what's your favourite performance from an individual player in an All Star game? Um, 
Magic Johnson in 92 was pretty special, but that's going way back. I can't remember much further back than that. Um, there's been some good ones. Was it Kyrie had a, a ton of points maybe three years ago when he got the MVP, and then Russ had a ton of points the year after? Yeah, Chris Paul had loads of assists one year as well. He was just, he was going for them. He was just like passing it to people. Yeah, mine, mine has to be Magic Johnson 92 when he when he played after having been retired. So, yeah, that would be my suggestion. There. So let's- actually, I do have a favourite All-Star game, actually. Here we I, go. It was the one where the Atlanta Hawks had four All-Stars in, and one of them was Kyle Korver. And all he did, was, it was hilarious, because everyone else was going for dunks, you know, windmill dunks, alley-oops, and he was just standing in the corner shooting threes. <laughs> and he and Mello, they they were mic'd up on Mello. He said some like, "Wow, these people have paid thousands of dollars to watch Kyle Korver shoot threes. That was because that was like because I'm not a fan of it. That was like a big mockery of the All Star Game by Kyle Korver. He was having yeah. none of it. I've got I've got a feeling that was 2015, if memory serves. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay, so you're going to watch the All Star Game this year because you've got Jimmy buckets and Cat in, but um. And I know you're not a big fan of it. Do you think the way that it's been done this year at all has or will make this in any way competitive or a bit, you know, people a bit more um, into it? I wouldn't say competitive, but I'd say it's more interesting now. It's quite funny how, you know, they've kind of picked their team. I think Steph and LeBron will take it seriously. I'm not saying they're going to be playing lockdown defense, but. It will it will be more interesting than it has been. I think. I, was, yeah, I, I, I loved all the memes with everyone saying Al Horford probably got picked last. <laughs> I do. I do wonder. I th- I think you, you're right that they're going to take it more seriously because they you know they're all, they, these are guys who are very conscious about their brands and their names are being put on this. It's not no longer under the guise of East and West. It is Team Steph, Team LeBron. They've had to pick the sides. Social media. Whoever whoever loses is probably gonna you know there's gonna be a frenzy online to just just call them out on it. Um, do do you think they should have televised the draft? Yeah, <laughs> it would have been funny, but it would have been very harsh on the guy who got picked last. So yeah, maybe probably. they should have just done the first like ten spots and the last two two spots on either team they did privately just to save feelings. But uh, yeah, it's it, I I do like the idea behind it, and I think that. I think that they need to make changes to make it more competitive. Um, would you like to see them just completely get rid of the, the conferences side of it? So instead of 12 from the East and 12 from the rest, it's just 24 from the, the league. Yeah, I would like to see them do that, I think. Yeah, I just I just think if, you, if you're good enough, you should be there. I mean, I, I really like Al Horford. I don't want to sound like I'm picking on him, but there's no way anyone could convince me Al Horford... Should have been an all-star. I know Paul George is in now, but he yeah. wasn't before. And there's no way anyone can convince me that that should have been the case. No, I I agree with that. But I, and I think I think the way you should look at it as well is is that there are certain pe- type of people who should play in an all-star game whose type whose whose just whole approach and and style of play is suited to that sort of game. And and Horford, as great as he is, that's that's not his style of play to me. He's he's t- he's not flash enough for it, but um, he's an absolutely fantastic player. Um, I think I think maybe someone like John Wall, who is flashy, probably shouldn't have been there this year. Just, it's, yeah. 
but I, I still get rid of the conferences and maybe maybe even hopefully they can expand that over to the playoffs at some point as well. I think that probably covers everything. You got anything else you want to talk about? No, not off the top of my head. Cool. All right. Um, well, in which case, we will catch you next week. But thank you very much for listening. Uh, find us on the big three social media platforms at Double Clutch UK. The website is doubleclutch.uk, so not too difficult to find. And uh, if you want to leave us a five-star review, go ahead and do that on iTunes. We're also on Spotify as well, according to Matt. Um, and I did try and figure out how to do it the other day, but I haven't succeeded because I don't use Spotify, really. Um, but cool. We'll catch you next time. Thanks for listening. Bye.